know it's a bit different from James. We're in the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. And it reads, He went on this way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, would those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and west and from the north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are lost who will be, some, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. Amen. You may have your seat as Pastor Todd comes. Hot in here, so this jacket's got to go. <laughs> Something like a, a wool, a wool jacket is not going to work for me today. I'm glad I'm wearing a black shirt so you can't see my uh, arm stain. Did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. We will be in Luke chapter 13 this morning. The next six weeks, including this week, we're going to look at the parables uh, through the book of Luke. So that's where we'll be over the next six weeks. Then we'll head into, which is crazy to think, six weeks, then that takes us into our Advent uh, season. So six weeks from now, we'll start uh, preparing our uh, hearts for Christmas. Um, I'll give you a list later on what I'd like. Did I say that out loud? I don't think I'm supposed to say things like that. Uh, and then we will start the new year in First John. So here we are. Uh, we have labeled this series of the, the the Jesus stories. This is Jesus telling stories. Another way to say it is parables. You'll see that throughout uh, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus telling parables. And so we, you've got to get an idea of what parables are. The simplest way to describe a parable is this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So what Jesus is going to do is tell a very earthly story to draw his audience into him to push them into eternity or push them to see what is it like life after death and so that's where we are this morning we're going to be just in we could go anywhere in the four gospels there's tons and tons and tons of parables but i want to look at these next six weeks just in the book of luke and here's why i want to do uh, that just through the book of luke the book of Luke is this. If you read the entirety of the book of Luke, to get a synopsis of the book of Luke is simply this. The book was written by a doctor, Dr. Luke, and Luke said, this was his desire, 
that people would understand the fulfillment of the Old Testament through Jesus. And he does that through eyewitness accounts. And he's doing that to say, hey, there's people that have really seen Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, they can point back to his fulfillment in the Old Testament. And then what we will see here is this. Here's the, kind of the lay of the book or the Gospel of Luke. It's divided into two sections. The two sections are this. of uh, Chapters 1 through 9 and then 10 through the end. The, the first nine chapters are about Jesus displaying his power through miracles to point to himself that he truly is the Son of God. So he's setting himself up to show his audience that he truly does have the power to save people. And then the next chunk uh, from nine on is about how now he's going to show them the fulfillment of why he came and points them to, I've come to save you so that you can have an experience in heaven. That's the simplest way to say it. There's just one verse that's the transition in the, in the book. And it says this, turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verse 50. There's a handful of parables up until this point. But the majority of the parables come after this one verse. Remember, Jesus is displaying to his audience his power through miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And then it says this, the writer, the doctor, Dr. Luke says this in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, says this, and when the days drew near, for he or him had been taken up. This means Jesus was going into a place. He'd been taken up, not into heaven, but taken up into this place. It says this. He set his face to grow to Jerusalem. So from that point on, his earthly ministry went from showing power to now setting his focus on the cross. That's what it means, Jerusalem. That's where Jesus would go and, and die on a cross and be raised from the dead. And so Jesus, from this moment on, in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, his whole mindset was to go to the cross. And you see, from that moment on, nothing was going to get in his way of that. There'd be no distractions. There'd be no uh, anyone trying to quiz his way out of it. And you'll see that here in a moment. Jesus was laser focused to go to the cross to seek and save, which is that, that which was lost. And he was the power to be able to do that. But he had to show people that he had the power to go to the cross and to be raised from the dead so that their sins would be atoned for. And that is what's going to happen here in this passage. But the majority of the parables in Luke after this point are all going to be about what heaven is like. But he's going to say this in this parable. I can show you what heaven is going to be like but you got to know how to get into heaven. If not, if I just simply show you what heaven is like, you will be an observer from the outside. He says that in the text. You will observe from the outside what it looks like to be inside. But what he's saying is, I want those who are outside to be inside. And these passages are super, super terrifying. 
If you paid any attention to what Pastor Joshua read, there ought to be some shiver that went up your spinal cord. Because he said this in the passage, not all of you who think you're getting in are getting in. Think about that for a moment. Not all of you who think you are getting in are actually going to get in. And he's going to show the reason for that in this text. And so this morning I'd ask us to prepare our hearts in this way. Examine yourself. It'd be real easy for us to sit in this, these pews this morning and examine everyone else. Are they getting in? Are they getting in? They're not getting in. They're not getting in. The question has to be, are you getting in? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in to the text. God, I pray in these moments, as you still our hearts through the work of the Spirit, you would allow us to do some self-reflection. Let us look at ourselves and where we stand before you. May none of us leave here wondering this morning. May none of us leave with doubt this morning. We have the assurance and the confidence that we will enter in to heaven with you for all of eternity. So lead us, guide us through your holy word this morning. And God's people said, amen. I want to look at three things this morning. I want to look at the cross examination. I want to look at the results. And then I want to look at the punishment. So those three places, the cross examination, the results, and the punishment. Jesus lays it out really clearly, but really terrifyingly. So let's look first. Here's what's happening. It says this in verse uh, 22 through 24. This is the cross-examination that's happening. It says he, Jesus, went in his way. Where's he going? Remember, he's going to Jerusalem. It says that journeying toward Jerusalem to do the greatest act that's ever been done on this planet, to die for sinners. And as he's going along the way, he's teaching about that. He's teaching about who he is and what he's come to do. And then it says this in the passage. It says, someone said to him. So there's a man in the crowd or a woman in the crowd that's been listening to Jesus and they ask this question to Jesus. He says to him, Lord, he gets who he is right. He understands who is talking and he understands even how to address him. Hey, you are different than anyone else. You are the Lord. And I'm going to address you that way. So Lord, he says, Will those who are saved be few? Pretty simple question. Pretty straightforward question. Hey, I've been hearing, Jesus, you talk about salvation for people. And in hearing that, has been something that's been stirring on my heart. And I want to know, is it going to be a lot of people or a few people? Because it sounds to me it's not going to be so many people. Like, it sounds like you're going to be pretty selective who gets in and who doesn't get in. And he's wondering, and he's a Jewish man, that the audience that Jesus would have been talking about would have, would have been a Jewish man. And so the Jews of the day thought they all had a clean pass into heaven because of they were descendants of Abraham. And so he's like, but now you've been talking, and you're saying there's going to be people outside of this fold that are going to get in not just us, 
And so he's saying, is that true? And it would have been real easy for Jesus to say what? Yes or no? It's a pretty black or white answer. Yep, you're right. Not too many of y'all are getting in and kept going. But Jesus goes right after the heart. And this has got to be true for us. This is the same question that's being asked by so many people today. Hey, is it true that God's not going to allow everyone to get in? Not everyone's getting into heaven. You see, we live in a day and age that says this. There's a lot of roads that lead to one place. There's a lot of roads. All you got to do, just pick the road, start going around the, the, the circle up the mountain, and you're all going to get on the same place. You just got to decide what path you're getting on. You just get on a path, the destination will be the same. That's what every religion says. And somehow we in America have bought into that. Somehow the church has bought into that. One of the most well-known writers, I won't say his name this morning, he wrote a book a few years ago. He's a Christian pastor. He had a church of 10,000 people. And he began to write in a way that began to question the orthodoxy of Christianity. Some of the most fundamental things that are to be true about Christianity. His name is Rob Bell. Don't read him. I'll warn you. But he began to write these books to really set up the, the latest book he wrote up until this point. The, the book I'm talking about is this book called Love Wins. Now on the surface, that sounds really great, doesn't it? Like at the end of the day, love is going to win. Just love will win out. And he does it in such a way in his writings that people begin to believe this. Love wins. We would all say love wins, correct? But what he began to write in his book is this. Because God is love, therefore God won't allow anyone to go to hell. Because love wins out. And if God is love, then how could there be a God that will allow people to go to hell? Now that began to prick on some people's hearts. Like, man, how is there a God that let people go to hell? And people began to believe that. That's what this man in the text is saying. That is what's being said today. That's what the church in America is starting to believe. Like, we don't really have to live by this. Like, this doesn't matter. This is just a good book. Like, this is equal to Harry Potter. It's got some cool stories. It's got some cool characters. It's got some suspense. We don't really have to live this way. God's word really isn't God's word. But look what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't answer the question. Like, I love how Jesus always answers a question with a question or statement that you're like, man, you, you could have saved a lot of energy, man. Just answer the question. But look at the way that he answers the question. He says this to that man. He says, strive 
to enter through the narrow door. So what Jesus now does is say, hey, don't worry about everyone else. Worry about yourself. And the way you worry about yourself is to ask yourself this question. Are you striving to get into the narrow door? Now, you got to know what the word strive means in the text. The word strive in the text means this. It means to compete, to fight, and to agonize over something. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to get into heaven, it will be difficult. And how many people want to come to Jesus and it not be difficult? How many people want to come to Jesus, come into heaven, and just be like, laissez-faire? But Jesus says to the man, if you really want to get to heaven, you're going to have to agonize over it. You're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to fight for it. I would say this first to you, in your journey with the Lord, are you agonizing in your pursuit of him? Is it a daily fight to compete against the world to get to Jesus for you? If you're living an easy life, I would most likely say you're not living a Christian life. Is it agony for you? Now look what else he says, which you're going to have to look into the text deeper for this next part. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Like, go after it. Like, go with all of your heart after it. And then he says, when you find the door, enter the door. But look how he describes the door. Narrow. Jesus says, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. You know the passage well, most likely. He says it this way in Matthew chapter 7. Remember, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, how to live in the kingdom of God. He says in Matthew 7, 13, here's how you entered the kingdom of God. He says, enter by the, what? Narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to what? Destruction. And those who enter it are many. But the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that what leads to? This is where we class participation is life. And those who find it are what? Few. Back to Luke chapter 13. Jesus says, man, go with all of your heart to find the door, and when you find the door, you're going to realize it's narrow. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a cave before. Anyone been in a cave? Like a really tight cave? Like, you're like, eh, I don't know about all that. Like, can't kind of breathe in the cave, cave. Oh, Josh was like, I ain't going there. But if you've ever been into one of those caves and you enter into a cave 
you oftentimes, if you really want to go deep into the cave, you got to get rid of everything you brought up to the cave. Right? If you get to the, the, the entrance of the cave and you're like peering in like, man, I got a backpack on, I got some big boots on, I got a headlamp on, I got my water bottle, I got my gloves, I got four layers of clothes. Jesus says, hey, you, with all that stuff, you're not going to be able to get in. It's too narrow. And how many of us are trying to take the world with us into this narrow door? And we wonder why we keep getting stuck at the door. Because either you don't believe it's narrow or you don't believe you got to get rid of some stuff to get in. This is the way that the writer of Hebrews says it. He says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also what? Lay aside everything every weight and sin that clings so closely to us. I would ask you this this morning. What is it that you need to lay aside to enter in? This is the entrance fee into the kingdom. It's called repentance. What Jesus is saying is the way into this doorway is through repentance, and that's the will of the man. The will of the man can repent. The call of God is this, come to me, the will of the man is to repent. But so many of us want to get to Jesus without repentance and laying aside those things that hinder us from following him. So I'd ask yourself this question again. What is it in your life and in my life that I've got to lay aside to enter into the kingdom of God? It's called repentance. Again, I am not saying that you have to get it all right first. What I am saying is this. You have to repent in order to get in. The entrance fee into the kingdom is repentance. And then when you repent, the man standing at the door gives you access into the kingdom and the payment is this his blood is the payment for your repentance but do we believe that church you see that is what jesus is going to talk about the rest in this text many of you think you're in the kingdom but you're not because you never came to a place of true repentance There was an old, old theologian. Finney was his name. And this man was a, a lawyer by trade. And he had this radical conversion to Christianity. But in this radical conversion to Christianity, he thought it was based on his decisions to come to Jesus. And so then he began to preach, all you have to do is walk an aisle to be saved. Well, he left the key component to walking the aisle. Walking this aisle does not bring you into the kingdom of God. If you walk an aisle and pray a prayer, but there is no repentance in your prayer, there is no entrance into the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying here, 
a lot of y'all, I'll say this in a moment in the text, a lot of y'all think you've done that, but you haven't done that. The way you know if you've come to a place of repentance is look at how you live your life. If your life is no different, then when you pray to prayer, then I would say there's been no true repentance. Because again, I've said it from here a thousand and one times. I'll make it a thousand and two this morning. Repentance is I was going this way, and now I am making a choice to go this way. Repentance is not just I'm going to keep flinging things off and head the same direction. That is what Jesus is talking about in this parable. You want into the kingdom of God, you must repent, and the door is super skinny. You can't take the world with you into the kingdom of God. So may we this morning examine ourselves. This is what he says, this is what Paul says that we ought to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize that this about yourselves? And as he asks this question, is Jesus Christ in you? Unless indeed you have this, you failed to meet the test, is what Paul says. May we examine ourselves this morning to see if we have true repentance and true salvation. Peter will say this in 2 Peter verse 1, the same thing about examining ourselves. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. The qualities are a godly life that always leads back to repentance. Read 2 Peter to see what he's talking about there. So this morning, the first is this. Christ is cross-examining us. May we examine ourselves to see if we have true repentance to enter into the kingdom of God. This is the next and scary part of the passage. Because here's the results. If you do not have true repentance, Jesus says this in verse 24 through 27. Let's, let me read that over us. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. I could just pause there. For many will seek to enter and they won't be able to. That's not my words. Those are his. And then he says this. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he, the master, will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. That is a very, very terrifying passage. He says this. 
this is the way I would say it. There's an urgency as we seek. You see, the results are this, and you've heard it, I've heard it a thousand times. Hey, I'll wait to get my life in order. I'll have fun now, and then I'll come to Christ later. When, when all the fun in life is over, then I'll come to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is this. Hey, you can't just simply pray a prayer, go live the life you want to live, and then come back to him later because you think you have this, the assurance of praying a prayer. The assurance, again, is not in the prayer. The assurance is in the act of repentance and God saving you from yourself. And then he says this, what's going to happen to you is you think you have something and there's going to be this moment in time where it's too late. Like the door to eternity, to his kingdom will be closed. I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, one of my favorite things to do, this was, I'll say it this way, one of my favorite things to do was at 7 o'clock during the pandemic, Jared and I and sometimes the kid would get in our car and we'd go to donut country. Because at 7 o'clock is when they were making donuts for the next morning. Now, now it's 24-7. They've messed it up. I have no idea when the fresh hot ones come out. I wish I did. But they would make them that late at night. You could go catch them hot out of the oven. And there would be moments that we would look at the clock and be like, man, we don't have enough time to get there. And it would have been foolish for us to think we could have got there on time. It's like, hey, they're going to close at 8 and it's 7.55. I don't know about you, but I can't get from my doorway to donut country in five minutes. But that's the urgency. That's what Jesus is talking about. There will be a moment that the close sign is on the door. And yet we think foolishly that the sign will always stay open. But it won't. And so if you're here this morning, you think, I've got time. I've got time. I've got time. You may not have the time. This is what Jesus himself says about the urgency of coming to him before the door is closed. Jesus himself says this, but concerning the day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the son of man. He's like, I don't even know. Only the master knows when the door will be closed. But the father only. My question to you, my question to me will be this. Well, I get to the doorway, and it be closed, and God say to me, I have no idea who you are. Like he's looking out the door, like those old school doors where just that, like the face shows. Like will God's face be like, no clue, man. I don't think he'll say man, he's probably more respectful than that. But I, he'll look, many will come to that door knocking. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you evil doer. Like, not just I don't know you, but like he labels them as evil. Which then means the results of when you come to the door 
he himself calls you evil, there is a consequence for that. It's not just like you come to the door, you knock, you, he opens like, I don't know you. You go around and, and you do the Pinocchio thing. You know, you know Pinocchio where he goes to, I don't know what it's called, fun land. I'll just call it that. Like there is no fun land. When the door is closed and you don't enter into the kingdom of God, there is no more fun. He says it. Let me tell you what happens. Here's the punishment for those that come to the door and knock. And I don't let you in. He says it in verse 28. In that place. In what place? In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be agony for all of eternity. Like in that moment, I've said it, I'll say it again. That moment when there's no access into the kingdom of God, any and all pleasure that you've ever felt, you'll never feel again. Like on this side of eternity, you and I can experience pleasure. Unbeliever and believer, you can experience pleasure. I've said it, I'll say it this way. This is the only, if you're an unbeliever, this is the only heaven you'll ever know. If you're a believer, this is the only hell you'll ever know. But there is a moment where believers get to experience only heaven and no hell, and unbelievers get to experience hell and no heaven for all of eternity. Now wrap your little brains and hearts around that. I have a little brain that's about to bop because I'm like, man, I can't wrap my head of eternity. Like the weeping and gnashing of teeth. The pain, the agony, the distress. The utter isolation of no presence of God for all of eternity. But it's worse than that in the text. It's not just simply the gnashing and weeping and lack of presence of God. Look what he says next in the text. And you will also, you will see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets where? In the kingdom. So not only are you in agony, but you get to watch other people's pleasure and can't participate in their pleasure. You ever been on the outside looking in, like hoping and wishing you could go participate? You will experience that if you don't know Jesus for all of eternity. Like when I'm in heaven eating donut country, you can't have any. That's what he's talking about, the pain of that. Every moment of every day for the rest of eternity. So you're in hell, but you have this uh, uh, this one-way glass, because people from hell or heaven aren't seeing into hell. So there's one-way glass that people in hell are looking at heaven like, oh my. And finally, they will see what they've always wanted, but now they can never have. Think about that for a moment. There is an urgency for us because there is a punishment for those that do not come to a place of repentance. And so this morning in closing, I'll ask us these three questions. Have you examined yourself? 
Here's the gift. If you know Christ, you have what we would call eternal security. If you've truly repented of your sins, Jesus says there's nothing that anyone can do, you or anyone else, can take you out of the Father's hands. You have eternal security this morning. But I would say this, examine yourself. Is that true of you this morning? If there is any doubt in your mind, then come to true repentance. And repentance is simply this. It's an agreement that you are a fallen human being that is in desperate need of Christ's blood from the cross on you to forgive you from all of your sins. When you have that, you have the entrance fee. The next thing I would say is this. Are you waiting today? Or are you ready today? And the last question is this. Do you believe in eternal separation from God? That is a fact. That is a promise today. I hope as you would believe that this morning.